Okay, Mike, so it's just me and you today, and we've got Vez, who is the former MD of a company called Breeze. It has to be a group solution. It has to be something that, you know, blanketly covers that particular gray area within the moving process for tenants. You know, it has to be agents agreeing uh, to a standard. And I think when you say what, what makes it a professional clean, a lot of it for me was having the right equipment to clean things properly. Um, although Breeze was a property maintenance business, it originally started as an end of tenancy cleaning business. So it's a hot topical subject for landlords, for lettings agents and for the industry at the moment. And for people that have listened to former podcasts, it has been something that's been a reoccurring problem that needs a solution. So what I'm interested to speak to Vez about today is the reasons the business in his own words, wasn't successful in his eyes and not from a business running perspective, but from an industry related perspective. So I'm massively looking forward to talking with Vez about end of tenancy cleans and really getting into the crux of that. But from your point of view, I know you know Vez, what what are you looking forward to asking him, Mike? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see from his point of view, why he got in, why he was there, and then why he decided to leave the business or the industry in, in, in what he was doing. Because speaking from a, a property manager's point of view, Breeze was very, very good to deal with um, and a good and a good company from, from the outside, but he chooses not to do it anymore. Um, and specifically, cleaning went first. And cleaning, as we know, one of the biggest bugbears of, uh, of changeover of tenancies. So... I'm going to find out what he thinks. Yeah, exciting stuff. As a former estate agent, a current landlord, a former end of tenancy cleaning business and maintenance company, Vez uh, has got kind of the four different corners. So let's get him onto the podcast, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So Vez, thanks for joining us. It's taken a couple of weeks to get you on, but we're glad that you managed to uh, manage to join us. Tristan, as we said, isn't here. He's a victim of COVID this week and nobody wants to hear any coughing over there or through their headphones. So it's just myself and Ian. So without further ado, time to get into the main body. Ian. So Vez, we always like to ask the first question being around why someone became a landlord what their reasons were at the moment of doing it, and I guess what their reasons were for the future as well. So as a landlord yourself, Ez, why did you become one? Uh, that's a really easy question for me to answer because I, I didn't mean to. I was definitely an accidental landlord. Um, when I bought the house years and years ago, I'd, I'd always rented out a room or two over the years. But um, when I moved in with my girlfriend about... Um, six months ago, whenever it was, probably a little bit longer now, time goes so quick. Um, I just didn't know what to do with the house. I, I certainly wasn't ready to, uh, you know, up sticks, sell my belongings and, and move in with my girlfriend. So I kind of wanted to keep it for a, a little while at least. And it was just something that I could do until I worked out, you know, what, what where the money from that property was going to go next. And, um, you know, you, you pretty quickly after you move out, you work out what you're going to do with it. Um, it's going to be a buy, sell it and buy another house. But um, yeah, in, you know, in answer to your original question, very accidental. It was just there. It, something needed to happen with it. So it was just the kind of most sensible short term option at the time. 
and it's worked out probably quite well because as we know around this area the last kind of 12 months we've seen probably 10 11 12 percent increase i mean yours is a classic family home that particular property so you'd like to think that it's added at least 10 percent in uh, in value so it was a decision well made yeah yeah well fingers crossed it stays that way until uh september or whenever the tenants are moving out and i need to put it up for sale but uh yeah so far so good it certainly hasn't lost any money good stuff and before we get into kind of cleaning and landlord maintenance and that element of things um if you do need an estate agent in september we know a good one but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come back on that later off camera so your your business breeze um originally started as an end of tenancy cleaning business and that was the kind of first foot into the sort of maintenance and end of tenancy cleans that you started i'm just interested because it's a hot topic in the rental market. It's a hot topic with landlords and with letting agents. And we had uh, the DPSMD, Matt, on here, actually, and he was talking about that being one of the most common issues at the end of tenancy is, is the, the discrepancies between, you know, what is a clean, professional clean, end of tenancy clean, and, and checking over the inventory. But what were the common issues that you found from the eyes of, someone that owned the business but someone that also could see it from a landlord's perspective what were the most common issues that you found doing what you were doing back then uh, finances for sure it's very difficult to make the business work straight off the bat because when i first started the company i thought this this is going to be my kind of way into that particular industry into the agency industry and, and working alongside agents to maintain rental properties and uh, it's very difficult because at beginning, I used to go out and see every property before I'd quote. So I'd look at the property, I'd spend some time um, kind of tallying up roughly how many hours it was going to take a, a team of two or three people to clean it. And that becomes really, really um, difficult to do with so many leads coming in. Sometimes you get two or three properties coming in every day, picking up keys from agents and, and so on and so forth that you know, we, we, look, we looked at what our competitors were doing at the time and they were just cha charging a standard rate for every property. And um, so that's kind of what we ended up moving to. But then you, you get into this situation where it's really difficult because some properties you will actually lose money on. And from a landlord's perspective, I always used to think, I'm going to say a price to this landlord and they're going to fall off their chair. But I'm probably still going to lose money on this clean because the property is in such bad condition that sometimes people don't necessarily appreciate how long it takes to clean an ensuite bathroom that's had three years worth of limescale buildup and, um, you know, mold in, in the grout and things like that. So it, it was always very difficult to make the finances work consistently. It's, it was something that we had to get used to losing money on some, um, but just doing a volume uh and, and and that was yeah it was always a bit of a frustrating thing because there was never really a clear-cut answer to that solution so it was always um yeah it, it was always you just had to accept it, you'll you'll lose money on some of them uh on some of them you'll you'll make some money but it was never when, when you get told that it's going to cost 550 pounds to clean your house uh in, you know including carpets and ovens some people think bloody oh, you must be stacking the money in but mm -hmm. in reality when you've paid your staff and your staff want to be paid at the end of the week. Uh, sometimes the agent might take up to six months to transfer you the money. Um, so from a cash flow perspective, it's very, very difficult. Um, 
and yeah, the, the finance side of it just didn't really work for us. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, in the end, we just decided to kind of knock it on the head and just let the competition have the chunk of the business that we'd built up over the couple of years that we'd been doing it. Mike, I think that's so insightful, isn't it? Because when you talk to landlords and you talk to other letting agents and, you know, we've been in the industry for a long time, you probably don't see that side of the story because we always worry about quality. We worry about cost and landlords always trying to get the margins down, but you you can't get the margins down with the quality. And obviously I I saw you smirk when you heard that sometimes it takes sort of six months to get payment for as well. Not on your watch, Mike. Well, I try not to try not to make it more than a couple of days to be completely honest, but I can, I can probably name a few agents that, that do their best to keep their hands in their pockets when it comes to paying contractors, but I'll keep that one to myself. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's probably a massive disconnection between a landlord and their opinion of clean, which, which Fez would probably define as domestically cleaned and, and something that's professionally cleaned and what it takes to actually professionally clean an oven or professionally clean a bathroom specifically in, a, in our area is massive. You know, I, I can clean my own home in a couple of hours um, and it looks clean to the eye, but you move all of the furniture out of the way and you move, you shift every single tiny spot. People expect when they move into a property, they expect hotel clean, not, not just you've, you've cleaned the house and it, it's fine for guests. And there's just a, just a massive difference between those two things. Yeah. It's, it's a real difficult, it's a real difficult industry to make a success of. And, and it's evident from what you said there, because often what landlords are looking for is they're looking for cheap and fast and cheap and fast doesn't obviously bring uh, the the equation doesn't come to quality does it <laughs> on that note ian it's, it's it's interesting actually i mean everybody always knows you know that if you if you don't pay a decent fee you're probably not going to get a decent service um but you know with with end of tenancy cleans it seems like there's a perception of it doesn't matter it just needs to be ticked that it's being done until the inventory clerk gets in and they're like there's it's just so many oversights here that you need to call the cleaner back and some of them will just refuse to come out or, or will say right well i mean we've done the clean it's going to cost extra to come back um and and sometimes they just the agent will call a different cleaner and, and we used to do a fair amount of business where we'd go in as the kind of secondary cleaner that will do the oversights clean um and, and between you and i those were those were my favorite um because they probably don't take as many hours but you go in and there's so many oversights that you end up still charging 130 140 quid um to get the team in get set up get everything done leave drop the keys off that actually that cheap clean goes from being i mean i've, I've had people quote like 140 quid for a three-bed house including carpets I, I can't remember what we'd co- quoted at the time but it was over double that and uh you know it's properties like that that will end up going in and doing or we used to, I should say, end up going in and doing a clean for an extra 130 quid. And then that kind of uh, price will even out. Um, So there's an argument to say it's just more hassle if you go for the super, super cheap ones. And and I have to say, we didn't lose too much business for being expensive, but I, I certainly was conscious of sometimes people making the wrong decision. So it was about trying to educate the landlord about these things and 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 it's the tiniest things that aren't really considered you know you mentioned um mike 
you could clean at home and get the property ready for guests. Um, but if you open your spices cupboard and you look at the top shelf, there's probably a good year or two's worth of all sorts of spices congealing at the bottom of the cupboard that are going to take, you know, a metal scraper <laughs> and a good amount of, um, uh, you know, degreaser to get it off. And, you know, things like the washing machine tray, sometimes an absolute nightmare, you know, spend good half an hour trying to get all the little bits of mold and lime scale off there if it hasn't been done regularly and bits like that that you sometimes you know when I've been at the property and I've been doing the job you sit there and you think I've just spent 45 minutes cleaning a washing machine tray and the rest of the property still needs to be done uh, and then you start to get that clock in the back of your head like we've, we've only got two or three hours left at this property before we have to move on to the next one um, so it's difficult. It's a difficult one, Ian, to, to get to a stage where you're really knocking out cleans. Um, it's difficult to say how long it's going to take, uh, you know, how much it's going to cost. And sometimes, you know, in rare occasions, you will need to call the landlord. And, and I've always tried to do it as soon as I open the door for the ones that we hadn't seen uh, and say, I know I quoted this, but, you know, this is really not realistic for the, for the condition of the property, which is never a pleasant call to get from somebody. Um but it's necessary because then the last thing you want to do is walk out and there's still two hours left of cleaning and you say it's been done and, and then it kind of falls back on you. And it, and it will always fall back on you. You know, Mike, having more experience in lettings, will say, you know, the agent will always call and try and get you back it, into the property. Um, so you have to go. You know, you've put your stamp on that clean, so you have to go. But again, it's... What do we think the answer is? To, to the problem if we took money to one side and we took what we know is the industry to one side the, I guess the reason we have a professional end of tenancy clean is for the next tenant that's the, the reason why it happens um, there is no rule to say that it has to happen until the agent and the landlord have marketed it to say it is happening I guess but is it that the standard that we've explained to the new tenant or the landlord or the agent has explained to the new tenant is going to be that it is a professional clean. It is the issue then that the inventories clerk is not of the same view as what the, the cleaner is, is the issue that it's been oversold by the letting agent is the, what, where, where's the solution to the kind of problem? Because it's not the new tenant instantly that is the one moaning about it. it it's typically the inventory clerk and then if it gets past all of that you do often get the only tenant I guess that will say it but normally for the right reason so I mean between us can we think of the solution to the problem because it's reoccurring day by day this issue I think from a from a letting agent's perspective it's quite difficult because you can't force a tenant to have a professional clean you can ask and you can ask them or you can contractually tell them the property must be cleaned to a professional standard when you vacate but you can't force someone to professionally clean the property or pay for a professional cleaner and the second thing is if someone pays a professional cleaner well what standard what account is that professional cleaner being held to i can start a cleaning company tomorrow and call myself a professional cleaner I, frankly i'm horrendous at cleaning anything um because it's just it's not my interest and I don't have the equipment I, I don't know what I'm doing apart from hoovering and, and, and washing up to be quite frank and I think that from a lettings point of view that's where the difficulty is is it's unenforceable to make people use your cleaner who you trust um, 
and yeah everyone's got a different standard what i pick up might be different to what my personal inventory clerk might pick up i've got no doubt she's more thorough than i am because that's what she does yeah it's really difficult my wife's an inventory clerk as you know mike and and bez and um, i feel for our cleaners because (laughs) there is no winning (laughs) there is no winning (laughs) i think the the answer for me it's not necessarily um it has to be a group solution it has to be something that you know blanketly covers that particular gray area within the moving process for tenants you know it has to be agents agreeing uh, to a standard and i think when you say what, what makes it a professional clean a lot of it for me was having the right equipment to clean things properly and and whether or not you're talking about some of the tough to get lime scale on the on the glass that that will require on the shower screen that will require a, a professional um lime scale cleaner that you won't be able to buy off the shelf in tesco's as an example um or whether or not it's going to be a piece of lime scale that requires the the scraper or, or the same thing with the oven you, you've got all specialist toolkit that's going to help you get all those different bits disassembled um and then cleaned rather than just cleaned whilst they're still inside the oven. Sometimes you need to take half the oven apart so that you can clean it properly. Um, And those are the things that people can't or won't think of to do themselves. If we said, right, let's scrap end of tenancy cleans from now on. I think we'd like you all to make sure that there's no uh, lime scale. The ovens are clean that that's clean. And I think all of a sudden you'd start to get people cleaning to different standards and them saying, well, the ovens as clean as I could get it. Uh, you know, there's this. Yes, there's still carbon deposits on the side, but I scraped my butt off and I can't get those carbon deposits off. And, and the solution's simple. You have a scraper for that. Um, it takes a little bit of elbow grease, but you get it done. So I, I give you the example when I uh, bought the carpet cleaning machine for the company. Uh, before I was allowed to buy it, I had to go on a course with the company. It was a full day course where you they make sure you know uh you know the 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 correct chemicals to use uh in order to not damage the carpet and the correct uh you know chemicals to rinse with to make sure that you reset the ph level of the carpet and things like that but if there was a almost like an an industry agreed certification of you know we've all of our cleaners have been on this course and it doesn't have to be a one day long course you know nowadays it could be a zoom course that they can you know just put a signature to, to say you know i sat through you know, these four hours of videos on how to clean a, a home professionally top to bottom, then then you wouldn't ever get the gray area of them saying, well, this bit you can't clean or the inventory clerk saying this bit's not clean. The cleaner saying, well, you can't clean that because that's damaged. And then you get into this kind of argument of what's damaged and what's dirty. You know, sometimes uh, the amount of mold in, uh, you know, the, the sealant, is impossible to remove it just has to be resealed it has to be removed and resealed but um then you get into these weird discussions of back and forth of well it's moldy clean it and it's like you can't clean that that's not it's impossible so if there was almost like a similar kind of certificate for a course that you know anybody that was cleaning on behalf of an estate agent would take and whether or not that course is agency sponsored so you know the agent you know, spend some time putting that together as an instructional video themselves. Um, I, I think that would probably help. But at the minute, like you say, Mike, anybody can go and buy buy a carpet cleaning machine, which is great. Some of them just use, you know, I, I, I won't say the brand, but we'll hop pop to 
you know, the local garden center or hire a machine and use that and still charge at a professional rate. Um, you know, there, there needs to be some kind of, um, you know, st- minimum standard, I think, and, and, and a bit of realism and perhaps education for landlords that I'm, I'm the same. If somebody had said to me, it's going to cost 550, 600 pounds to clean your house top to bottom, I would have just thought, why? <laughs> like, well, how long would you need? But actually, when you have a team of three people and, and some of those costs are associated with the oven clean and the professional carpet clean, then you tally up the hours and the equipment and the chemicals and everything like that. Actually, that becomes a very, very reasonable price and a very, very small profit margin for the company that's organizing that entire service for you. So, um, yeah, I think perhaps some re-education to landlords as to what they're paying for. I, you know, always had to explain, uh, especially if it was a big number, I always made an effort to explain what they're actually paying for. Yeah, break down the quote. I think break down, yeah. I like to see a broken down quote sometimes. I think, Mike, we we know that because obviously we try to make sure that people see when they let a property with us that we've got a breakdown of the different costs, even if they're not our costs, but just what they're going to have to pay from start to finish it. People like to see that. Um, I wonder about so if a tenant's been in somewhere for 24 months and then you're coming in and explaining all of the bits that you've just spoken about, which scrapers or professional equipment, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder whether there's a place for something like maybe some sort of home clean care package. Because for me as a, as a landlord, what I want to know is if a tenant, you know, my, one of my tenants has been in there for, say, just over two years now. I want to know that that property is being cleaned and looked after. So is the benefit to me to allow the tenant to stay there for three years, then spend 600 quid on a clean? Or actually, would it be more beneficial for the fact that I probably can't just do a 600 pound clean. I've got to spend another 1200 quid on decorating and probably changing a tap because it's filled mm. with lime scale or whatever it may be. So maybe, maybe there's a place for more of a home care package that the agents should probably promote to the right landlord to say, I don't know, three times a year that the clean, the professional cleaner, professional inverter commas comes in and actually does a mid-tenancy clean, which is just a maintenance clean, effectively in line with the in line with the mid-term inspection. I don't know, but twice twice a year, if that was happening, you would feel your asset, your value, your equity. We spoke about ten percent equity growth. You know, in, in the home counties, let's say the average house price is four hundred grand. Most people have made forty grand last year. So spending two hundred pounds every four, five, six months for, for a clean on that asset doesn't seem like a, an unfair thing to ask and, and probably benefit in the landlord, would you say, Mike? I mean, I feel it would. I'd, I'd love to hear what the listeners think of that because I, this seems, again, I think there's a bit of a, a split between landlords of, well, you know, month to month, how much am I making and, and maybe conveniently forgetting that the house is going up in value and they're protecting a capital asset whilst they're doing it. Because as, as Vez said, the arguments that often come back about the cost of a, of a professional clean is, well, these people must be on 12 to 15 pounds an hour. There's two of them. They'll be there for eight hours. Well, how's that any more than 150 quid? Um, not factoring in that that business has to pay for transport, insurance, materials, um, PAYE taxes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which all get 
bolted on to the the cost of the clean you can't just pay someone 12 to 15 pounds an hour cash um i'd i'd love to see it um i'd i'd love to hear more from 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 the landlords themselves who are listening to this 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 podcast would you go for it yeah and i think uh, when when i when i was actually inevitably put in a landlord's position um uh, that's certainly something that crossed my mind and i said it to royale when she came and did the inventory i said you, you know you have to come in and do like a mid tenancy you know in six months time because you know, i was just so apprehensive about you know if i need to relet the property you know what kind of state is it going to be in am i going to need to spend an extra because i'd spent some money renovating the property and getting it ready for the new tenants to move in and 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 those were things that i just kind of worked out i'm probably going to need to spend another 500 quid when these tenants leave just to get the property back into this condition fresh coat of paint in the hall little bits and bobs little uh jobs here and there like you say change a tap um those those kind of bits um but then i thought how am i going to minimize that and in my head that was just being really clear with the tenants when they moved in so um she she got in touch as soon as they got my number and i i think the same evening they moved in or they were due to move in i just sat down and i typed them a really long email about it which is basically everything i'd knew known about that property and living there for, for the past um eight years now i think uh every little thing that could you know become an issue you know cleaning the, the shower screen you know um making sure that the drains stayed, stayed clean because they can cause an issue with the boiler if they're blocked up for too long. And just little bits like that that I would have really liked to have known when I moved into that property because it was expensive. Those were expensive call-outs for me. You know, your boiler stops working, a gas engineer comes out, turns out that your sink's blocked and it's uh, the waste water is backing up into the boiler. It's an easy fix. Just keep the drains clean. Um, but these are things that I, I felt like they needed to know in order to minimise my... Um, my kind of costs coming out of that tenancy and you know it could be professionally cleaned but I, I felt like I needed to minimize the damage and and in there I kind of sprinkled in bits about the area that I really enjoyed and our you know my girlfriend and I we live down the road and we have lots of favorite restaurant restaurants around here so we we gave them a list of things like that you know the, the closest um you know the closest shops uh, restaurants things to do in the area on the weekends so we kind of we didn't want to lecture them or I didn't want to lecture them of this is how you look after the property, look after it. <laughs> I just wanted to, I was conscious still moving in from out of the area and I wanted to make them feel like they were moving into the area that they, you know, after reading the email, they had a few things already on the list to go out and explore and do. And, you know, they could also you know, get in touch with me if anything came up. And um, to be fair, you know, knock on wood, that's exactly what they've done. You know, I've only had to go back, um, once funnily enough for a block uh, drain um, but it, it's easy to fix if you get notified straight away and I feel like they know that I care about the property and they know that I care about them enjoying their stay in the property so for me I just thought that's how I'll bridge that gap I can't you know force them to have you know a mid-tenancy clean necessarily I, I, the, when I did go back to be fair the place was in very good condition whether or not that's because they knew I was coming back um it's a different question but you know they, they've been looking after it and um it was for me it was important to start off on a good foot you know and and, and keep it friendly and and conversational so i think um thinking back i don't know uh how many landlords do do that I, I'm, I'm sure there's a percentage that will 
but I think if I were to put myself in the shoes of a professional landlord as opposed to an accidental one where you perhaps haven't lived in the property yourself um, or you are looking after several properties, then that you know initial email or letter starts to become more and more of a nuisance. But I think it's personally, it's bridged that gap of you know not having to worry too much about it. I don't worry about them being there. I think that they are looking after the property and um, you know, I could be wrong, but so far nothing really terrible has happened. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, that, that for me, that was a way of, of doing that. It's a yep. good point. It's a good point that Mike, because when you go to, you know, if you stay in an Airbnb, one of the first things you kind of look at, or even in a hotel, a bespoke hotel, one of the first things you look at is the little pack that's got the flyers in and, you know, what pubs walking distance and things like that. And some landlords do it, but very, very small percentage, Mike, isn't it? I think. Yeah, there's, there's a few key points that you that you raised um the first one is extending an olive branch to your tenants quite often then they're always going to be new to that street or that estate if if not new to the area if not new to the country Um, people don't know how things work every boiler every heating system is set up differently Uh, there's not one size fits all and it's very difficult for a tenant to move in and sometimes set the heating um, so if you make it easy for someone, if you show that you're trying to help rather than like you say, trying to lecture someone in making sure this happens, this happens, and this happens, show that you're trying to help by suggesting things and making things easy for them and leaving certain bits of equipment like a shower screen scraper in the shower, um, someone's going to use it because they might not know that it's a hard water area they're moving moving into. They might have always lived somewhere with a water softener in the past where it doesn't matter if you leave water everywhere because it's really, really clean filtered water where where we live in Berkshire. It absolutely isn't. It's, it's white with chalk. Um, those sorts of things are absolutely key in, in order to help your tenant maintain it where it might just be pure ignorance. If someone comes across from Hong Kong and you just leave the heating off the hot water off uh, the water off at the stopcock and let them and, and the electrics off at the at the switches and you just let them move in they're going to be all at sea quite frankly and that's it's a bad start um so yeah if you think airbnb if you think hotel that welcome pack is absolutely key to a lot of people that solves a lot of problems yeah i think that's a great point really good point and really insightful um conversation so far Vez, on on everything you've mentioned there this is the formerly known quick fire round that we've now renamed the bullet point round because they were never quick fire um but i'm going to pass <laughs> over to mike to kind of fire a couple of questions at you that are okay just just for you personally um just for you to think about and your honest answers we won't hold you to them um although if you do get them bang on in 12 months time we might replay the video as as the wise old elf that got it right so okay all, all the opposite listen to what this guy had to say <laughs> that's the threat so there's first question what do you think happens next in the property market oh i think we'll definitely see a a slower growth of property prices i think we'll carry on seeing a growth but it certainly won't be 13 and a half percent or whatever i was reading the other day for, for the previous year i think we'll probably see something um certainly single digit um, but certainly still a growth sales wise 
lettings it's um it's more difficult to say uh, i suppose but it's easier to predict in some senses i think it probably maintain if a very 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 small growth okay what do you sorry what does your perfect investment look like to you uh it's going to contradict everything that i've just said uh, I, I, I think um it's yeah, a very diff- difficult question it's certainly something that had a lot of uh potential for capital growth yeah because at the minute i i get the feeling that being a landlord now is very different to being a landlord 15 years ago and when i came into the industry you know buying property to let it out was certainly the thing to do and it was something that my family was doing and my colleagues were doing and and we were helping people do on a daily basis um but with the the changes in taxation I, i feel like it's not as a it's not the kind of gold mine it used to be you have to have your long term glasses on to to make it work um so yeah i would probably say a good long term investment with a you know a good you know uh, scope to appreciate and value over the next 25 years not necessarily the next two or three i'm not too fussed about that sure no absolutely finally what's the as someone who's been around the property industry for a decade now what's the best single piece of advice you would give to someone Oh, a, a landlord or a vendor or? Yeah, more a landlord or a property investor. Um, uh, I'd say I, I probably learned this from my mum and it kind of ties back into the um, welcome email that I did. Just keep the conversation open with them. Um, just uh, even at times when uh, all her properties have been fully managed, uh, she's always made sure that the tenant has a number just because I think it makes them feel that you care more. And uh, sometimes when you can't get hold of the agent, because let's be honest, but some of us need sleep and, uh, you know, you go away and you, you need um, a bit of a breakout of, of working. It, it makes them feel like it's not w- whatever happens, they can come to you. And I think keeping that door open and keeping a good relationship with the tenant Um whether or not you get on with them and whether or not they're the kind of person that you'd go for a beer with or, or have around your house for dinner is, is irrelevant. You know, there's somebody that's, uh, you know, staying in your property, whether or not they're paying for that is irrelevant because you still have kind of that duty of care. And I think as soon as you look at their situation a bit more empathetically, you start to, um, you get a bit of tranquility for yourself i think so just keeping that door open letting them have a telephone number an email address is um is probably the the best piece of advice that i can give and like i said one that's worked out for for family and for me so far same old same old finishing point isn't it communications key and if you keep the keep the channels of communication open you're going to get respect from someone and they're going to look after you as well as you look after them yeah yeah, agreed. And and if, if I had to if I had to really throw in a bonus one there, I'd say price price the property fairly. And <laughs> um, I, I know for the first time ever, I've, I've been in a situation where my own property was going up for rent. And I remember Mike and Tristan came around 
we had a conversation on a price and I was just like, oh, maybe we could push a little bit higher. And then they gave me the conversation I'd given so many people in my uh, career before that. And actually, you know, it worked out for the, for the better. So it's just being realistic and, and not, not become, not getting too greedy with it is my point. Yeah. I think an extra 25 pounds a month can take a, a long time to fill up if, if you've got one void month, can't it? So yeah, trying to keep a good tenant in there at the right price with open dialogue for as long as possible is, is definitely how we would describe a, a very, very good above average landlord. And, you know, it's not, there's not loads of them out there, but it's definitely the advice that we would give to landlords. So yeah, Bez, massively appreciate your time on today's yeah, podcast. It's been really interesting talking to you because you do cover a lot of different dimensions with someone with an agency background, landlord background, maintenance business and, and, and the tenancy cleaning business. It's great to get your insight from those four corners of the world, really. So thank you. And yeah, all the best for the future of everything you do. And I'll, I'll hear from you in September by the sounds of it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. And yeah, no, it was an easy decision when picking the lettings agent. So I'd imagine it will be uh, equally as easy picking the sales one. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Take care, bud. Ian, that's another podcast in the can. What was your biggest takeaway from speaking to Vez? It, it was actually, although I know Vez, I've never actually really asked him the questions that we asked today about that particular part of the business. And actually hearing from his point of view, the challenges that come from actually running an end of tenancy cleaning business, it actually answers why there's a problem in the industry at the moment. It is very clear. It's it's probably hard to recruit for it's costly the training for the professional and you kind of say you can pay someone to do something it doesn't make them a professional and i think it's an industry which is full of rogue businesses but what vez tried to do was do things the right way he spoke about his carpet cleaning course for a day and having the right equipment from lime scale to oven cleans and I think we've all experienced that that's not always the case with, with end of tenancy cleaners. They kind of just put the label on there. I remember actually, we didn't touch on it at all, but I remember seeing um, last year in the prior year, as soon as COVID hit, COVID end of tenancy cleans and these markup prices on COVID cleans and things like that, where actually talking to a lot of the cleaners, it, it wasn't really anything different other than a marketing ploy to make an extra hundred quid. So it's a really tough industry and it was really insightful listening to Vez's explanation to why, why it was difficult. What about yourself? Yeah, I think it just shows it's hard to prove premium when people are just looking at price points. Um, it's uh, when, when people just know what a domestic cleaner gets paid, they, they find it hard to add that sum up and for you to show how you're going to be better and why it's better is borderline impossible without just having trust in that person about why he's charging 400, 500 pounds for a clean when, uh, you know, you, you just ring someone up off Google or Facebook, who's going to do it for 150 quid, mm. um, as a landlord, I can see why you get duped into paying 150 quid for something that someone else wants to charge you four, 500 pounds for, but them's the problems. That's why so many deductions are made from tenancies because of cleaning issues. Yeah. You get what you pay for in the property industry. And we, we mentioned about, you know, prices last year have gone up so much. I know they don't every year, but more often than not, they do. And if you look at a let's say a 10 year plan for a landlord of renting a property over 10 years. I know uh, more often than not, people tend to do it for longer than that, but take that as an average, 
there's a lot of equity that's been made. There's a lot of refinance options within that. So doing right by your asset, even if you're not thinking of the tenant, but doing right by your asset is often the right thing to do. And maybe there is something in that kind of home care landlord kit, landlord pack. Um, you know, once you get into the real premium tenancies and the real expensive multi-million pound properties, often written into that is a gardener and a cleaner and a maintenance person written into the tenancy that the landlord pays for to make sure they look over their own assets. So on, on a scale, maybe that's something that we can we can look into for our clients. But we'd love questions on this because it is hot topic. So for those listening, thank you as always. But we'd love to hear your points, your questions, your comments um, around this episode, because I think it's probably one that we've not seen the end of the discussion of. So until the next time, next Friday, we uh, we thank you for listening and we will speak to you soon. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax, and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast, and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.